the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Welcome to Heart of the City. My name is Adrian Tijerina. I'm the Director of Local Ministry at 820 AM The Word, and I am so excited to have in the studio two very good brothers we just met today, but it feels like we've known each other for a long time, uh, Chris Goff and Jeff Vansel. It's so great to have you in the studio today. Yeah, it great is, to be it with is. you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we are have you in the studio because we want to talk about the King County Prayer Initiative. And later on in our program, we're going to get more information on that and how our listeners can get involved and pray for the health of our, our cities, our counties, our living spaces. Uh, we just know God is going to do amazing work through that. But before we get there, um, you know, for me, I'm, a, I'm new to Seattle from Portland. Uh, our listeners know this, so I'd love to hear from you a little bit about you and uh, how you are how Jesus brought to you to where you are today. Chris, uh, would you mind sharing a little first? Yeah, thanks, Adrian. Yeah, we're, um, <clears throat> I've been in the Seattle area my whole life. I mean, I grew up in Renton. I went to Seattle Pacific University. I studied theology there, worked for 10 years with a college ministry at Bethany Community Church. And then my la- then the last 10 years I've been at Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. That's kind of my professional career in a nutshell. Uh, met my wife on a worship team at Bethany. We've got four kids and, um, that's kind of, you know, uh, my my life in four seconds, or however you can do that. <laughs> but uh, in my work at Seattle's Union Gospel Mission, one of the things we realized was homelessness was really an isolation problem. Mm. So uh, <clears throat> a little phrase we often said was, it's not houselessness, it's homelessness. In, in, if it was houselessness, we'd have a material problem. In other words, there's not enough food or shelter or clothing. But this was an isolation problem. This was an issue where people are uh, without healthy uh, relationships. Mm-hmm. All of us run into problems in life, and we need one another, you know, to as as a net when we fall. And so, but this is a scenario where when you're isolated and then a problem goes, you could find yourself on the street. And so, what we realized was the solution was we needed relationships, and not just any relationship, but healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many people are isolated on the street because they've had bad relationships. So it's like, I don't want to be around people. People have caused pain. People have caused injury. And so we realized really the local church is the source of ongoing healthy relationship. These are a group of people who are, <clears throat> you know, local, <laughs> present in the flesh, and they're also pursuing relationships as modeled by the Holy Trinity, right? So it's like the father loves the son. I, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And it's like, this is the type of relationship that we want to, mm-hmm. you know, image to the world. And so these are the types of relationships that can solve a problem like homelessness. But as we zoomed out, we we're like, could also solve a problem like foster care. Uh, it could also solve a problem like wealthy isolation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could also solve And all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute. Jesus challenged for us to love one another. Yeah. 
And in fact, his, his, the order in which he gives the great commandment, love me so that you understand what love is, and then love one another. And so <clears throat> at, at Union Gospel Mission, it was just a privilege to kind of learn that lesson deeply and learn that loving people in very difficult positions actually works. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus actually does transform these lives. And so then it was kind of a, man, how do we help the church to flourish? And so part of the work I've done over the last uh, – eight or nine years, we called it Light Up the City, but essentially it was localizing <clears throat> networks of churches uh, relationally uh, so that they were kind of loving one another and seeking the kingdom in their shared place. So so a group of pastors in Renton, the, you know, the Renton Gospel Network, mm-hmm. uh, a group of pastors here on Capitol Hill, a group of pastors in Tukwila, Pray Tukwila, Pray Shoreline, <laughs> uh, We Love Our City down in Federal Way, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the idea was to create, <clears throat> you know, what if there was a healthy network of, of leaders um, in every city seeking the kingdom? That's the vision. And so that's the work I continue to do to this day. And um, uh, obviously, it'll connect later as we share about the prayer uh, initiative. But, but that's kind of where I've poured my time. So, know lots of pastors, you know, lots of conversations, and just aware of the way that the church is quietly but very meaningfully serving and transforming, you know, lives and and problems all over our county. Uh, it's never in the newspaper. Yeah, you know, um, partnering with schools, partnering with institutions. Uh, loving difficult neighbors, <laughs> showing up where the the city is like we don't know what to do. Let's ask these pastors who are engaged. Um, <clears throat> but I think that's sort of you know uh, the the things of of Jesus are often sort of foolishness to the world, and so um, I think under the radar may be the right way to go. But but so that's that's kind of the idea. Is it's like how can we help these groups to flourish and um, yeah, and kind of sharpen one another, iron sharpening iron as we gather leaders together. And then as we gather those network leaders together, we sort of sharpen at another level. And that's kind of the work I've been doing. That's mm-hmm. awesome, Chris. You know yeah. what I love about that is that um, it's, it's a, it seems like you're on a mission that Jesus is revealing to you as you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like you said, oh, you plop down here in Seattle and this is just the, the job you're hired to do. It, it's amazing to hear how just the, the evolution uh, in your own story of, of how God has brought you to where you are. That's really special. Totally. Yeah, totally. Well, I'll just echo that, you know, it's a delight to work with Chris as a brother in Christ and as a friend, and uh, he is a significant um, servant in the city. He has been for years. So my story is I came to Seattle uh, because of basketball and um, thought it was because of basketball and then quickly uh, made a strategic error as far as basketball being the God of my life. If I wanted to keep it the God of my life, I probably shouldn't have gone to that young life camp in 1969 where I gave my life to Jesus. And then he began to speak to me about what's really number one. And um, as a result of that, I kicked that God off the throne and um, began to follow Jesus and ended up um, playing basketball for SPU, Seattle Pacific University, instead of the University of Washington. But in that process became a young life leader. And I was... um, after four years of volunteering on Young Life uh, and learning the hard way by many, many heirs, but you know, staying in the game, eventually was asked to go on the Young Life staff where I was an area director for 16 years, and then I became a regional director for Western Washington for 14 years. And then after that, um, 
I had moved to the U District here in Seattle, and I was asked by a number of friends, mainly in the marketplace, Mm -hmm. if I would walk with them in terms of mobilizing and enhancing their voice uh, for Christ in especially the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so, so many of these kids at the University of Washington you know, let's say 40,000 people are there uh, going to school, but how many of them are studying to become ministers? Not many, mm. but they're, they're studying to become business people or education. But how many times do they hear from people who are actually in the fields they want to go into? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they just hear from people who are in professional ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the reality is that uh, there are so many people in Seattle in every sector that have so much to say. So I, I found myself as a catalytic um, matchmaker in sorts of mm-hmm. sorts to bring this issue of vocation to the next generation around the centering of Jesus, putting him at the center of our lives. So I've been involved in a discipleship modality Mm -hmm. for literally 50 years. And what Jesus said about that is it it blows your mind over time. Um, What God does when you're just continuing every day to do this work called discipleship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when when we are equipping that next generation, you know, I I just always have this mentality, even when I was in uh, pastoral ministry as a a worship leader, I always was looking for somebody to do greater work. (laughs) You know, like, I'm so limited, but if, if we can spend... Uh, are the time that God gives us to pour into others, greater works are they going to do. And so, yes. brother, I thank mm-hmm. you for your yeah. faithful years uh, of, of ministering, because I know that there's countless amounts of lives that you've affected in that way. And uh, it's very exciting to have this conversation, because we're going to be letting our listeners know about an opportunity they have to continue uh, to make an impact in their city. Hey listener, it's Adrian. I just wanted to take a quick second to invite you to go to thewordseattle.com and check out the community events page. On our community events page, you're going to be plugged into all sorts of events that are happening right here in your neighborhood. Our desire is that you would get plugged into Christian fellowship so we can just encourage one another. And if you know of an event that's happening, maybe a church play or a concert, we'd love for you to submit that right there on the website. It's free and easy to do, and we just want to come together in fellowship. Now back to the interview. Well, you're listening to Heart of the City. My name is Adrian Tijerina. It's such a pleasure to have Chris Goff and Jeff Vansel in the studio today. We're talking about the King County Prayer Initiative and ways that you can get involved for praying for your city. Uh, before we get into specifics about that prayer initiative, uh, brother, would you share a little bit about the prayer breakfast and uh, just a, this fascinating story of, of, about that? Yeah, you know, Seattle, Seattle has quite a rich history of prayer, and I think I think a lot of us think of Seattle as, you know, kind of this place where, you know, well, we're kind of waiting for God to do something here, but he sort of never has, <laughs> you know, and people come, well, we went to Seattle because it's this dark kind of unchurched place. Uh, but the truth of the matter is we're, we're really standing on the shoulders of giants here. Uh, we have some phenomenal leadership. I and mean, we start looking at even nonprofits, national nonprofits and stuff. So many of these leaders are from Seattle. But one of the one of the amazing stories in that tradition of Seattle's uh, kind of spiritual uh, history is this um, this King County Seattle prayer breakfast. So in the 1930s, there were there were riots. There was all of this unrest. It was union uh, issues mostly. But there was rioting. There was 50,000 people marching through the streets of Seattle, lighting buildings on fire. Some people were killed in the street. 
it was total chaos. And um, I'll let Jeff share more about Abraham Verady, but essentially they, some of the leaders of the city called Abraham Verady and said, hey, uh, this was the guy who started the Goodwill, Goodwill Industries. Uh, but he was also a local pastor here in Seattle. And they said, hey, we've seen what you've done with some of the down and out folks and how they're now just kind of flourishing. Um, can you help us think through this problem? And essentially he said, you know, well, I'll, I'll take us to the one who can solve the problem, mm-hmm. but we need to pray. Um, mm-hmm. We need to seek the Lord for prayer because we actually can't solve these problems. And so let's, let's uh, you know, it's kind of that John 15, like apart from the vine, we can do nothing. I mean, nothing is a heavy word, you know? It's like we can do nothing <laughs> apart from the vine. And he, he understood that, and in his wisdom, he called some of these leaders to pray. Mm-hmm. And um, so this year we'll be celebrating sort of the 87th uh, iteration of that call to pray over the city. But, yeah, Jeff, how, what would you add to that? You know, Abram, Abram was a praying man. And one night as he was praying, it was probably more morning than night. It was, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning. His kids talk about listening to him pray. They'd wake up and they hear their dad downstairs praying. But he heard the Lord say, if you want to reach Seattle, then you need to think beyond just those who are in need. You need to think about those who actually have influence. So the very next day, as he got that word from the Lord, he meets an industrialist on 4th Avenue, tells him what he heard. This guy says, if you do that, I'll get behind you. They went to the head of Frederick and Nelson, which was the leading kind of the 1930s Nordstrom. And that person, uh, William St. Clair, called about 19 Mm -hmm. major business leaders in Seattle, said, hey, would you meet with me and this guy who's been running the Goodwill? Anyway, long story short, they covenanted their life together. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just a one-off. They said, we're going to walk together. We're going to become friends. We're going to care for each other's families. Mm -hmm. And we're going to learn the way of Jesus. And they called it the better way. We're going to learn a better way, Hmm. a better way to do business, a better way to be dads, Mm -hmm. so forth. Everything that Jesus impacts is a better way. And so there's this sense of them going along. Well, out of that fellowship, out of that covenant came leadership for the city. So a mayor came out of that group. A governor, a three-term governor came out of that group. And Seattle was radically transformed in a quiet, relational way that didn't just include the elites, but it, it, it really penetrated relationally mm-hmm. into every sector of Seattle. And from that, briefly, uh, other cities heard about this. And there was a kind of a little roadshow that came out of Seattle in terms of, okay, we're going to take three of us down to L.A. or over to Minneapolis, or over to Denver, or to New Orleans. And people heard about this, and it became somewhat of a movement. And then it went to Washington, D.C., and Abram ended up moving to Washington, D.C., and over the course of about eight years had fellowship in the House and the Senate uh, doing the same thing, quietly just helping brothers and sisters come together in the name of Jesus, pray, seek his ways. And then President Eisenhower heard about it. And he was invited, and then there was a what they call the presidential prayer breakfast. And every president since Eisenhower in mm-hmm. 1953 has gone to the national prayer breakfast. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's happening tomorrow, wow. tomorrow morning, which is not going to be a public event. It'll be a virtual event, but it's happening again tomorrow. So there is this sense, and the world comes to this. Now there's like 170 prayer breakfasts around the world. Where did it start? Seattle, Washington. Mm. You know, it has this history that prayer is, um, it's more than just 
requesting. There's something that happens relationally that to our hearts as we pray. It increases our love. It increases our hope. increases our faith. And that's what we need right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so brothers, would you share a little bit uh, to our listeners about the King County Prayer Initiative? Uh, we'd love to hear a little bit more of how uh, folks can get involved with that. Well, I think we I think we can agree we're sort of finding ourselves in a similar time. We have a city that's struggling. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of confusion. Um, <clears throat> it, there's sort of a moment of like, oh my gosh, what's happening to our city, mm-hmm. and what can we do? And I think we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to learn, uh, you know, from from some of this history and say, well, we can do nothing <laughs> apart from the vine. Uh, but what we do need to do is gather and, and and seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. And so the idea is, look, it says if just two or three of us gather, uh, the Lord will be present in that. And so what, what we've done is, you know, Jeff's been in the area a long time. I've been, you know, professionally kind of networking for, for a long time as well. And uh, in collaboration with a number of organizations, I'm now with Saturate the Sound, which is a kind of a discipleship organization. Jeff um, is with Centered, but there's Kairos, there's Made to Flourish, there's a number of different organizations that are like, yeah, let's come together and pray. And so <clears throat> what we're doing for, for sort of the 87th gathering of the King County Prayer Breakfast, instead of going downtown uh, at the Sheraton and... and um, Asking people to host a table, which isn't cheap, you know, it's, it's, there's a large cost associated, but it is a special gathering down there. We thought, you know, with COVID and everything else, what if we asked people to host a table, but that table was in their home? And on April 19th, which is two days after Easter, we're actually calling people to open their home. And that's where the prayer is going to happen in people's homes. And, um, well, who would you invite to your home? Well, those close to you, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's uh, a couple people from church, maybe it's your family, maybe you haven't prayed with your own family. But the invitation is to say, uh, what would it look like to grab a couple coworkers <laughs> or whatever and, and just take that morning to gather, to share with one another what's going on in our lives, to pray for one another, to pray for the leaders of the city, to pray for this region, um, <clears throat> And, and, you know, really just kind of love our neighbor. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's really the invitation. It's actually not even a prayer initiative. It's like it's an initiative to embody what Jesus has called yeah, us to do, which exactly. is to love one another mm-hmm. and to seek him in prayer. And so that's kind of the invitation. Now, what's beautiful about that is, you know, two days before this is, is Easter Sunday. And so you think about what Jesus accomplishes on the cross and it's just phenomenal. It's our hope, right? This is the hope that we have. Um, you know, it's like while we were yet sinners, <laughs> Christ died for us. But that wasn't the end of the story. It's like just a couple of days later, here he is uh, uh, conquering death with an empty tomb, the re- new resurrection life. It's like, no, that wasn't the end of the story. This is actually the launching of life. Like we had a tree of life at the beginning. We now have this empty tomb. We now have this resurrection life. And what happens immediately with the church? They gather and pray, mm-hmm. you know? So we're, we're tying it to that Easter story. And it almost was accidental in a way, but we're looking back. We're like, wow, this is really quite amazing to call people to pray uh, in this time. And so, so that's the idea. April 19th, uh, homes all over the, the King County area are going to open and uh, invite those that they love around them. Uh, to come in and pray for one another and pray over the city. It'll actually be a 
kind of a hybrid combo because we're still going to have uh, simulcast from downtown Seattle, which will connect us to this big story of Seattle, Seattle's history. We'll hear from a marketplace leader, a great leader, Jeff Rogers, and a person who's been involved in this movement. So we will be guiding these homes. These homes won't be on their own, kind of hoping that they're, you know, and we'll actually have a map where you'll be able to see all the homes mm -hmm. in the whole county that are lit up. Mm -hmm. You'll see the saturation that this uh, event will create. Yeah. And it'll, it, just like walking into the Sheridan, you know, when you walk in, there's 800 people there and you look around, you're kind of going, this is awesome. <laughs> it'll have that same feel, but then coming from the simulcast that we will turn it back into this sense of, we're not just praying for the county, we're praying for individual schools, we're praying for individual leaders, and every one of the 39 cities of King County, the leaders of those cities, the school boards of those cities, mm -hmm. the principals of those cities, you know, the healthcare, the first the responders, I mean, the police, how do we pray for our city and our, and our county? Mm -hmm. And what happens, I just moved to Spokane recently, what happens in King County, when you really live in Spokane, you know this, what happens in King County affects everything in the state. We have it, it's the, the the import of this county can't be overstated, mm -hmm. and so to pray for this county is really really critical at this time. As as Timothy talks about, or Paul talks about in Timothy, he says, "I urge you then, first of all, you know this is like first order of of priority. Mm -hmm. I urge you. There's urgency um, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone." Wouldn't it be something if at some point we could say everyone is getting mm -hmm. prayed for? We mm -hmm. love everyone. What happens when we pray is we do. It extends our ability to love. Mm -hmm. And then it says not only for everyone, but for kings and all those in authority. And that's one way of praying for everyone because everyone is impacted by those who are in authority. Mm -hmm. And so we pray for this result, which he says that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Mm -hmm. And this pleases the Lord. Amen. Yeah, and I think, you know, as, as, uh, as an invitation to our listeners, um, you know, you can go to kingcountypb.com, prayer breakfast, kingcountypb.com. And what we're going to do is actually anyone who wants to open their home, there's going to be a time of prayer happening in March Actually, there'll be about 50 times of prayer where there'll be a gathering in Ballard, there'll be a gathering in Tuckwill, there'll be a gathering in Kent. Every city will have a, a time of prayer in the month of March. And if you want to open your home, you could go to one of those gatherings. You can go to kingcountypb.com to see where your, your local gathering is. And we're going to pray together over that city. It'll be inherently valuable to pray in March. But then that will be extended or, <clears throat> you know, it's almost like we're zooming in and in and in. Uh, so we, we had regional gatherings in February, city gatherings in March, home gatherings in April. And I think the idea is, man, by the time we get to April, we would just love to see a ton of people um, lifting one another up in prayer. A friend of mine <clears throat> um, told a story of of a couple who uh, saw the, the discouragement, the isolation, the fear mm -hmm. in people. And he said, we need to just go ask people how they're doing and pray for them. So he and his wife walked out. They just started kind of talking to folks on the street. Hey, we, we feel compelled to just ask you how you're doing. And uh, if, if, you're, if you're comfortable with it, we'd love to pray for you. Um, this was in, uh, in this area. And 99 out of 100, they asked 100 people, 99 out of 100 welcomed the prayer. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we feel like sometimes as Christians, we're, we're trying to be really careful 
you know, to not be offensive or something or not be pushy or whatever. And it's like, man, we're not being pushy. We are offering people a connection to the source of love, Amen. the source of hope to light. You know, it's like we need these things. We yeah. need to remove perfect love removes all fear. That's what we need. Mm. Yeah. You know, and what I love about this invitation, brothers, is that this is a multi-church movement. You're not calling oh, yeah. for a specific group of people. This is God's people. This is the body of Christ coming together to pray and ask that God would move greatly within our city. So, brothers, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, it's been such a pleasure to have you uh, in the studio. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Adrian. It's been a pleasure. And I just jump in to say we know of a number of pastors who are saying, look, we want everyone in our church. Mm. Everybody who calls himself by God's name, by Jesus's name, yeah. that they would open their open their homes yeah. or their businesses, you know. And so this could have a deeply unifying effect. Yes, yes, which would be beautiful. Yeah, that would be. Very and we beautiful. need it. Thank yes, you, Adrian. We do. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to Heart of the City. I am so excited to get you plugged in to kingcountypb.com. You're going to be able to go to that website and get connected to the local and regional meetings that are going to be happening. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a call personally. You can call my office number, 206-269-6208. Thanks so much for tuning in to Heart of the City, and God bless you. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.